This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. the noise in the Manchester City dressing room as they secured their place in the Champions League final for the first time in the club's history. The Blues will be in Istanbul on May the 29th to compete for the biggest trophy in European football. But who will they be facing? A question we'll try to answer on today's Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. We're going to look back at last night's momentous victory over PSG for Pep Guardiola and look forward to who might be joining them in that Champions League final as Chelsea look to take on home advantage against Real Madrid tonight. Plus, from the dizzying heights of the Champions League to the other end of the footballing scale, what happens when a young, promising footballer's dreams to become a professional are ended by Sir Alex Ferguson sitting them down and telling them it's just not going to happen? On today's podcast, we're going to speak to former youth footballer Rodri Jones, a prospect for Manchester United whose career was cut short by injury and he's gone on to be a mind fitness coach. I'll speak to him towards the end of today's podcast about his time in and out of the game. We'll do that later on today's show. Alongside me on Football Social Daily, we've got the very buzzing blue, Matt Pidd. How you doing, Matt? Buzzing, just like you said, mate. Big, big 24 hours for Manchester City. We'll talk more to Matt shortly. And no doubt remembering his team's brief dalliance with the Champions League. We've got Leeds fan Ian Brennan as well. How you doing, Ian? I'm good, thanks. Uh, more recently, though, of course, Leeds have beaten both Man City and Chelsea uh, in the <laughs> league. So, uh, That's the way that? it works, isn't it? When you're at school, <laughs> there was that thing, wasn't there? Yeah. It's like, well, my team beat yours 5-0 and you beat mine 4-0, so that means we would have beaten you 7-0. So we'll, we'll do the math like that. Leeds, <laughs> best team in Europe at the moment. Uh, let's it. kick off with last night's match at the Etihad, though. It was Manchester City 2, PSG 0, 4-1 on aggregate at the end of the game. And you've got to say, Matt, well, you would love to say, I'm sure, I've got to say, from front to back last night, Manchester City 
were excellent. They were absolutely fantastic to the man. Was that the most complete performance you've seen from your team? I'd say so, yeah. Um, I'm go- I'm going to kick off, though, in Ian Brennan-style fashion with some stats. Oh, City oh, are the not. first English team to win 11 matches in a single Champions League campaign, and we have the longest winning run from an English club in the competition with seven straight wins. Um, the game itself, though, a bit of a dodgy start with the Zinchenko alleged handball, but it was rightly ruled out by VAR, you know, as it clearly hit his shoulder. Um, Edison, well, what what can I say about him? Starting off moves like um, our own deep line midfielder, you know, pinpoint accuracy from our own 18-yard box. You know, a bit of a fortune with the deflection leading up to it. But Mares, cool as you like, as he has been all season, you know, he's been brilliant. He's had it after having a lot of critics and he's he shut them right up. And City played PSG at their own game on the counter. They looked solid at the back. Everyone was working for each other, doubling up on Neymar. You know, the, I think the the moment that epitomised it the most for me was the uh, the one with Zinchenko and Stones after the block from from Neymar, and it was celebrated like a goal. You know, it sums up our defensive display this season. Um, the longer the game went on, the more desperate PSG got. You know, you've seen it with the uh, the tactics that they were resorting to. PSG, they had, I mean, they had, they had more of the ball, but City remained solid. You know, we were brave with and without the ball. The counter attack for the second goal was absolutely picture perfect. The way a pass from De Bruyne into Foden was perfect, and then the cross from Foden to Mares was spot on. And Ruben Diaz, you know, proving why at the moment he's the best centre half in world football. You know, he's just 23 years old and he's putting his body on the line for the team, getting in the way of absolutely anything. You know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of, um, I don't know if any of you have seen the uh, Monty Python and Holy Grail, you know, when the uh, the Black Ma- the black Knight stops him going over the bridge, you know, none shall pass. <laughs> you know, he was, an abs- he, was an ab- he, was, he was an absolute giant amongst men, you know, Fernandinho as well. That didn't end too well for the Black Knight. No, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't end too well. It was a bit, it was a bit, it was a bit battered, but yeah, still. Um, Fernandinho, 36 years old, you know, 30, sorry, no, not 36 years old, 36 years young on his birthday, playing like a man 10 years younger in his prime. That You know, he's the, the true master of the dark arts in football. Um, PSG, not having a shot on target, says it all about the way we set up. And, you know, we can talk about Mbappe not being on the pitch and it may have had an effect on the night, but in the first leg, he didn't even register a single shot in the, in the whole game. And their last shot on target, believe it or not, was in the 28th minute and that was in the first leg. You know, Zinchenko's tears as well were, were wonderful to see. He had every chance to leave over the last couple of seasons, but he's stayed and he's mm. fought for his place and it's paid off for him. He was immense. And it's it's hard just to talk about individual players though because the whole team as a man were immense and they thoroughly deserved the win and they deserved to be going to Istanbul um, to the European Cup final. And it's, it's been worth... The weight, all the stick I took growing up as a City fan in a time where we was a bit of um, a laughing stock to other teams for so long. But and I, I don't want to hear about how much we spent on players as well because you know other clubs have spent and you know look 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 where they are now. And you know as a, as a fan for the as, as a fan of the club for the last twenty nine years, I couldn't be more proud to be a blue. We have got to talk about how much City have spent and their squad they have available because it is part of the story. We'll get onto that shortly. We're also going to dig down into a few of the other things you mentioned there because there was a lot going on last night, including Ruben Diaz finally looking like the Vinnie Company replacement that Manchester City have needed for a few years. But taking it right back to the beginning with Zinchenko and that handball, it clearly wasn't a handball. It was rightly overturned as a penalty decision in Manchester City's favour. But, I mean, I think there's a similarity between my team, West Ham, and Manchester City in the kind of 
typical City, fortune's always hiding yeah. element. Did you think for a moment when the referee gave the penalty, oh, here we go, <laughs> this is this is where it starts crumbling? Yeah, obviously because of the, the luck that we've had in European competition over the last 10 years, you know, some things have just gone against us and you, you do start to think, is it just a curse? Is it just going to be that happening again? Is, is that going to be the beginning of the end? of our uh, our hopes and dreams in in uh, the Champions League it was it was one of them you have to just sort of like hold your breath type of moment because with Vi it's i mean even though there's, there's there's a guy sat in the control room asking the referee to look at it ultimately it's still a subjective decision it's still down to someone to make that decision and if the referee at that point deems that to be a penalty you know it doesn't matter what we think as 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 uh, people watching or what the players think on the pitch it's ultimately the referee's decision if the referee gives that there obviously there's going to be a bit of uproar but his decision is final, and if, if they score that penalty there, they're getting away goal early. They're in the ascendancy, and he, he did attack on the night. PSG. I'm not saying that they, they didn't attack, but City were just were just fantastic defensively. But if they would have got that early goal there, City's heads might have dropped. Their heads might have gone a little bit, you know, like theirs did. You know, when he started kicking people and stuff like that, and you know, just just thankfully that you know common sense prevailed, and uh, finally we can talk about City in a Champions League final. It's been a long time coming, this Champions League final. And when you look at who was missing last night for Manchester City, Ian, there was no Laporte, there was no Rodri, Sterling on the bench again, Cancelo dropped, which was a bit of a surprise to me. And then you look at who put in the man of the match performances last night, Edison, uh, Phil Foden, Zinchenko. I mean, is this the secret to Manchester City's dominance this season? And it has to be related to the amount of money that has been spent on that team. And I know Matt says other teams have spent huge amounts of money and he's 100% right. But the way City have spent their money in terms of they've built this huge squad. And ultimately, there are 20 or so players that you'd class as first team players. And that's enabled them to compete on all fronts and compete against other teams. It's very difficult to look past that as the reason they have shown this dominance this season, isn't it? They're, they're a hugely strong squad, aren't they? And we, we've we've spoken a number of times about um, the fact, firstly, that they haven't really had a, an out-and-out striker through the course of this season, with Aguero being missing for mm. for much of it. Uh, the goals that they've scored for, uh, you know, you'd probably say 85-90% of the season have all come from elsewhere within the team. You know, not just the front line, but through midfield, defenders, people like John Stones, you know, getting involved as well. So the goals have come, and ultimately that's what um, brings the success at the end of the uh, end of the working day if you're a footballer um, but they they do have a, a huge wealth of talent and the good thing is as well that that some of this talent is um, you know is is buried deep within the, the Man City system you know through their their own academy and and things like that which maybe doesn't get the recognition it deserves because we we see about the the huge amounts of money that they spend but you you know players like Phil Foden for example um is really coming to the fore now and I think in the next two or three years you know he is going to be the the man for for English football which Absolutely. is which is you know hugely exciting and 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 I've heard buzz about buzz you know you get the buzz about Various players. I remember. Is Phil Foden um, the best young player in the world at the moment? I think he probably is. Oh, well, um, over Harlan's face. Yeah, over. Um, no, no. Well, no. But he's up there. I think he's he's in the same room. Hmm. Um, I don't think he's as far along in his development as Harlan. That's the thing. But I think give it a few years, it'd be an interesting matchup. 
um, to see where they are, you know, come that time. Because I think he's developing at a really rapid rate of knots now. And he seems to have had a few kind of wobbles in his career that could have sent him spinning. You know, there was a little bit of controversy and stuff, wasn't there? Um, was it back in the last season and stuff when he was away with England and all that? That kind of stuff can can sometimes screw it up, I think, for some players. And I know we're going to be speaking about how things go wrong for, for young players a little bit later on. But I think he's maybe rode through that that storm, if you know what I mean. And I think he's knuckled down now and, and he seems to be on the right track. And then Man City have got other good players as well. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Leeds fan. Um, Jack Harrison has been playing for Leeds the last two or three years and he's one of Leeds' best players. He's a Man City player. <laughs> so, you know, they've got an, an embarrassment of riches, really. I think one of the secrets to that squad coming of age almost, Matt, has been the development of players who previously maybe haven't quite stepped up to the mark. I suppose you could look at it both ways because players like Sterling maybe haven't repeated their previous form this season. But Riyad Mahrez looks like first name on the team sheet at the moment. Made a really slow start at Manchester City, but really seems to be front of mind for Pep Guardiola at the moment and got his two goals last night as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a fickle old game, isn't it, football? I mm. had argued a lot with, with people on Twitter about Riyad Mahrez, people saying he's not good enough, he's all about himself, he wants to do everything on his own, he's all about his individual um, awards, he doesn't really do anything for the team. But this season, if if you if you, you watched him as well in the, in the first leg in Paris, he was making tackles in his own six-yard box and that's against Neymar and that's um, testament to what Pep Guardiola's done with him. Pep Guardiola's... He's took him from one level and he's took him up to another now. He was great at Leicester, don't get me wrong. He was fighting one PFA player of the year, helped him to the Premier League title. But this season, Mares has just took it that that one step further. He's no longer this this um, this midfielder that just sticks on the right hand side and just wants to cut on in his left all the time. He has a little bit more about his game now. He likes to get stuck in a bit more. He likes to to track back and help out his his, his defenders. And you, you could see last night how much it meant to him, and he, he, I was absolutely buzzing for him because, like I said, he took he took a lot of flack on on social media, and people are finally getting to see now why we spent the money on him that we did. And when you look at the price we paid for him, like sixty million, I mean, like we was talking about before, other clubs have spent other amounts of money on other players, and you know, not got the absolute best out of those players, and that just it's testament to Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola has took Riyad Mahrez from being a, a very good player to now, for me, being an absolutely world-class player. And he's also in a, mm. a, a team with other world-class players that Pep Guardiola has took up from one level to another. So it's all it's all credit to Pep. It, it's all well and good spending money on players, but you've got to know how to coach them. You've got to know how to get the best out of them. And that's what we're seeing with Riyad Mahrez right now. Those are the results we're seeing. I think you're you're spot on with in terms of the, the way City have spent their money. And it's impossible to separate the facts, as I said. And it makes me laugh on social media afterwards. You saw one half of Manchester, the red half, kind of going, oh, well, you can achieve anything when you spend that kind of money. And then you've got the Manchester City fans almost denying the existence of their owners and the money they've spent. And there's a balance between the two because Manchester City have spent their money well. And they have spent money. But you look at the two teams last night, you look at Manchester City and you look at PSG and there were a few people nick- nicknaming the game last night El Cashico, which I thought was quite yeah. good. But I mean, <laughs> it shows that money doesn't necessarily buy you a team. And PSG and City are the two extremes of that happening. Manchester City, they have a team. They play for each other. They all believe in the same cause. They have a coach that has developed them and improved them as players. Whereas PSG, yeah. they've got, some brilliant players, Neymar and Mbappe to name but two, but they've spent that money on a load of individuals who just play for themselves, who play for a paycheck. And when it 
push came to shove last night when backs were against the wall when you'd expect a team like City to really step up to the plate like they did it was PSG that showed their true colours they showed themselves as spoilt as petulant when things don't go their way and it was interesting to Mm. see last night Ian how PSG just completely lost their heads it was almost as if they realised they weren't going to get to the final so they were going to try and stop as many Manchester City players (laughs) getting to the final as, as they could by injuring them yeah, um, particularly Di Maria obviously got sent off and just lacked, as you said, class, humility, all those kind of things. The toys really came out of the cot. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when you've had a, you've, you've been playing like a tournament on FIFA or something and you've got all the way to the final and then somebody comes in and absolutely batters you. And so you spend the <laughs> next second half just seeing how many players you can get sent off or injured. <laughs> it was just exactly that kind of meltdown kind of setting that they went into. But as you say, though, you know, we've seen last night, and in fact, all of the teams that are left in the Champions League, because this goes for all of them, that they are the richest clubs in the world who are left mm. in this tournament. Really, you know, give or take. Uh, certainly, of the, uh, of they're certainly all, all all teams that would be involved in the new Super League. And yeah. you don't have anything if you don't have a team and a work ethic and all that kind of you know, guile to, to gl- grind this out. And that comes from the manager. And that is the difference that obviously they've had some big problems at PSG. Um, Pochettino's not been there that long. He's got some big issues, issues to sort out, as we saw, whereas Guardiola really galvanised everything together. They were all in it together. And you could see the Man, United, uh, Man, sorry, Man City uh, team you know, high-fiving each other, just celebrating almost like a goal when they were defending. And you could se- mm. see how much it meant to them but you're right though you you can't get away from the fact that over the last five years man city have spent more money than any club in the world so they should be getting to this kind of success because frankly if you spent that amount of money you should have and, and it is a rich man's game because only the rich clubs are left and we've seen that mm. and you know don't lose sight over 18 days ago somebody at man city signed to leave this tournament and by proxy, the Premier League as well, for money. So, you know, whilst I know that there's a big working class kind of story with Man City that the owners are happy to play on, you know, don't get away from the fact that uh, the cash is what it's about. Come on, Ian, it's not, not in the spirit of celebration. <laughs> but enjoy, enjoy the glory. Enjoy the glory. That's not down yeah. to the manager. It's not no, down no. to the manager. It's not down to the players. It's down to the hierarchy. Mm. Right exactly. Here. But, you know, you, you, they, they, they can't... You, you can't cleanse all of it, you know, because no. that the club the club are running themselves for money, but they're doing it through a guise and a veneer that they are the people's champions, and they're not. You know, the people at the very top don't care. We saw the Glazer guy. Did you see him on Sky uh, Sports? Uh, they they doorstepped Joel Glazer in America. Yeah. Um, by the way, I mean not not related. He just completely blanked him, and ultimately, you've you've just got to ask what who who is really running the club and what are their intentions. But, but I, I don't begrudge the fans their glory, and they they've they've earned it. And I I want them to win it. I really want them to win it because it's 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 what they've all been building up for. It's what they got Guardiola in there to do. He's done his job. The players have done their job. But yeah, it's very interesting that, um, the optics in yeah. by by which these owners are now viewed when you compare the likes of Manchester United and the Glazers with Manchester City's owners. And I know the scenario is different, and I know probably rightly so there are big differences between the two owners in terms of how they've approached the club and how they've spent money and how they've developed the club as an asset. But at the same time, you're right; it, it does it does come down to the finances at the end of the day. But let, let's not on the chips too much with Manchester City at this particular moment. That's for another day. Um, 
Uh, finally, Matt, I want to talk about Pep Guardiola's comments after the game because he said people believe it's easy to arrive in the final of the Champions League. Getting to the final now makes sense of what we have done for the past four or five years. Now, there's always been this narrative around Pep Guardiola and Manchester City that despite the fact he's not got to the Champions League final, it's not really been important. It's not been about that. But I think this shows how important this Champions League trophy is for Pep Guardiola. He desperately wants to win this trophy and he knows that the expectations of the ownership are for him to win it and the expectations of the fan base, despite the fact a lot of them will, will, will ignore it and say, oh, we, we care more about the Premier League than the Champions League. The expectations of the fan base is that Manchester City go on to win this trophy. Well, he's not been in a Champions League final for 10 years and he's had this sort of like thing on his back where people are saying, oh, he can only do it when he had Messi and Iniesta and Xavi and, mm. and players like that. And he spent like four years at Bayern and he, he never got to a Champions League final, despite winning him four league titles on the trot and, and completely changing the way Bayern uh, played football in um, in their league. He, he still had that, that thing hanging over him where, yeah, despite all the success in the league domestically and stuff like that, he's still not getting to the Champions League final. And I think that was started bugging him I mean, he'll say in his in his press conferences it won't bug him, but I think deep down personally, because he's he's a winner, Pep Guardiola. He wants to win. That is his his thing. He wants to to win everything. That will have got to him. And last night he would have felt a massive sense of pride that he's come to to Man City. And don't forget when he took over at Man City, we had I think it was an average age of twenty nine was our in our team. We had Bakri Sanya playing left uh, right back. We had Clichy at left back. He had a massive sorting out to do when he came in. He stuck with that first season there. He didn't win a trophy in his first season. Just about made Champions League football. But the owners knew that it was more playing the long game with him. It would take time for him to build this team. And he has spent a lot of money. We've already spoke about that. We won't talk about it anymore. He has spent a lot of money. But he's also built a philosophy around the club from, from the top to the bottom. Like the young kids coming through the academy. You can see the way they want to play their football. They've just won the, the, the uh, under-21 Premier League title. That's 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 no no secret. He's got that going down to the youth system now. Mm-hmm. He's got a master plan. He want he wants that this club to dominate. Ultimately, he's going to want to win the quadruple. We're not going to talk about it, but he that's what he wants. He wants to dominate English football. He wants to come in and he wants to feel vindicated because even before he came in, we had people like Stan Collymore saying he's not going to be able to play his style of football in in this league. He's going to get found out and this and that and the other. Now look what's happening. People are seeing him now for what he truly is. He's an absolute genius and he he has changed the way that Man City are, are viewed in, in terms of the way they play football now. He's got them to the first ever Champions League fa- final, which is historical enough because we've never been to one before. We've only ever won a Cup Winners' Cup with Joel Mercer. So that was it. That was it in, in European sense. We've 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 been to quarterfinals. We've had the semi-finals under Pellegrini, which was a washout. We didn't do anything in that game. Um, now... The way we got to the final against a team like PSG, PSG are no mugs. You know they've not they've knocked out Bayern Munich last season's winners. They have got a fantastic squad. Yes, they've got individuals, but they don't seem to be playing as a team. What you what what you touched on before, the way we the way we've got to the final, I think, is a, a view on the way Pep Guardiola has changed it this season. He's overthought things in the Champions League in the past. We've all spoke about that. It's been in the back of Man City fans' minds. Um, especially this season in, in the big games, but he, he's 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 gone to show now that he's he's just wants he wants to play his his team, he wants to play his way, not thinking about other teams and the way they set up. And last night it was it was picture perfect to see because 
there was moments in the game where you know we, we thought we, we, it might it might not be happening here, especially with the Zinchenko handball at the start. But I think we just needed that little bit of luck, and last night we got it. Despite the team playing well, we we did ride our luck in places. They hit the bar as well, which we didn't mention. Um, he'll be he'll be absolutely buzzing now, and the players will be buzzing as well because you know it's it's a historical moment for them and for the fans. And he'll want more than anything now is to go into that game against Real Madrid or Chelsea, whoever we play, and he'll want he'll want to win it not on, not only for himself, not only for the club and the owners, but for the fans. As you say, we don't know who it's going to be yet in the Champions League final at the end of May, but we'll try and work it out next. We're going to talk about Chelsea versus Real Madrid tonight's Champions League semi-final, and we'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Manchester City are going to be in Istanbul on May the 29th for the Champions League final, but who will they be playing? It will be one of Chelsea or Real Madrid. Honours even after the first leg in Spain. The second, although it wasn't in Spain, wasn't it in Budapest? Uh, but the second leg is happening. It was in Spain. Was it, in it, Spain? Was, it was, oh, was it at the training the, ground, yeah, wasn't it? it? That's right. It was at the um, Di Stefano, yeah. That's right. So, Anyway, the next leg, the leg tonight, is at Stamford Bridge. It is Chelsea versus Real Madrid. 1-1 on aggregate so far. I think Chelsea might fancy this one, Ian, because it is Real Madrid, and undoubtedly any Real Madrid team, even if they are a shadow of their former selves, are going to be tough opposition. But half the work is done with the 1-1 draw in Spain. So it's not inconceivable we could have an all-English final in the Champions League. No, it's um, and particularly with Chelsea playing how they have been playing with um, under Tuchel, where they've been quite guarded and fairly economical, shall we say, in front mm-hmm. of goal. Um, and you know, you can you can well imagine a you know this being a bit of a nil-nil bore fest and uh, the work being done, you know, effectively already. Um, yeah, Kovacic is uh, is out for for Chelsea, which I think he's been one of Tuchel's favourite players I think over the past uh, few you know couple of months while he's been in charge seems to be one of the first on the team sheet quite regularly uh, but they've got Rudiger in and um, looks like a fairly strong uh, selection um, headache for, 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 for Real Madrid but as you say they're not the Real Madrid that we remember from probably uh, when we were when we were lads, you know, growing up, when you had uh, you know all those kind of um, players like you know Raúl and all those that that were involved then, and um, you know Ronaldo and and stuff. So it's not it's it's not that Real Madrid, but they are still a very strong side. Um, they will obviously come at Chelsea and, and and pose some threats, but I think Chelsea, as we've said, are, you know, quite a resilient team, very organised team under Tuchel now, and uh, I, I I fancy them to grind. It out. I don't think it's going to be a, a goal fest um, at either end, but um, but I think I think Chelsea probably have just got enough. The news for Real Madrid that kind of makes selection different from the first leg is returner Sergio Ramos, who will be fit for the game tonight, having missed that first leg. Can he make a difference for Real Madrid, Matt? Certainly in terms of Chelsea scoring again. Absolutely, he's he's a big game player, Ramos. You think about the games that he's played in his career for Real Madrid, and he scored in some some huge games as well. He's he's one of these players like we talk about, like talisman. He seems to he seems to have this effect where he can he can just do something out of absolutely nothing and drag his players through a game. 
and you know Real Madrid was talking there. Real Madrid might not be the force you know that they used to be, but they're in the semi final because they deserve to be, and they still have quality to hurt teams. You know, players like Benzema, Vinicius Junior, Asensio, Hazard, Cruz, Modric. You know, they're, they're all they're all there, and they're all, and they're all decent players. And yeah, they might not have the the quality that like Cristiano Ronaldo brought to them, but they seem they seem to be more now rather than just focusing on. On Ronaldo, they seem to have like a little bit more of a team ethic about them now. They seem to be a little bit more sort of like solid, and they've got no Varane either as well. But I think Valverde is coming back tonight as well, so that's that's a boost for him. But like I said, Ramos, he, he seems to be just one of these players that turns up for the big occasions, and he he, he he's a very very clever player. He's a very very smart player, and if. He's a leader as well, isn't he? And he's that's got it. that experience. That's and that's it. kind of what you need in these scenarios. That's something that Chelsea don't have, the experience of being in Champions League semi-finals and finals. Absolutely. And that could be the difference tonight. We say we say this quite a lot in, in these types of games, but the first goal tonight is absolutely crucial because obviously Chelsea are sitting on an away goal. And if Chelsea score first, you know, Real Madrid have you know, got to score three. So, um, you know, or is it too high? I don't know how the away goal system works in the Champions League. It confuses me sometimes. But the first goal is absolutely crucial. And, you know, Chelsea having home advantage. And they've, they've, they've come off a, a win against Fulham of a weekend. And, you know, Havertz seems to be in decent form. And even, like, we talk about Werner. He's missed a few sitters this season. But he seems to be, you know, doing little bits, not 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 necessarily scoring-wise, but as a front three, seems to be putting balls on a plate for other players and stuff like that. So it's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting game tonight. Like Ian was saying, I can't see them be a lot of goals in it. But if either team score early, I think that will be the, um, the way the tie goes. How do you think that front three is going to line up, Ian? Because there is a wealth of options in that position for Thomas Tuchel. In the first leg, it was Mount, Werner and Pulisic that formed those attacking three. And they were a little bit wasteful, particularly in the first half when Chelsea dominated. They could have had more than the single away goal. Do you think he'll go for the same again this leg? Will it be similar or will he kind of shuffle his deck a little bit with those different attacking options he's got? Um, who, who knows? It's a crystal ball kind of thing, really, isn't it? But I think he has mm. been preferring um, uh, Werner certainly lately. When you look at the the previous matches, um, you know if he's keeping consistency, then you can imagine that Werner's going to be involved. Um, Mount has also been a fairly regular player, but he seems to be making. I'm just looking down his his, his team from the the previous matches. He seems to be making a lot of changes around the you know this between sixty and seventy minutes. So whether that's to, to, to save players or whether that's a, a tactical change, we don't know. But, you know, he has been making some switches there, particularly bringing Mount off. Um, but, yeah, Mount, Werner, Havertz has, has been a regular, of course. Got two goals at the weekend just gone. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, some some managers just completely change their, their tactics when it comes to Europe, though, don't they, versus what, what they do week in, week out in the Premier League. And I know sometimes that works well, but I also find that, that that's probably the reason you get these tale of two teams sometimes who have fantastic league seasons. And then it seemed to... the, the the entire strategy seems to change for European matches. And I really don't think that these days that the tactics are that different anymore. I think it's particularly when you've got the depth of squad that teams like Chelsea have, and which is why credit to City for the way they've managed this season, where they have made those changes without too much disruption, kind of had a style of football they always play. For Chelsea tonight, Matt, is it a repeat of the first leg? And I think we kind of predicted this before the Real Madrid game for Chelsea and Tuchel it's kind of it's about frustration and it's about stopping the opposition before you launch those attacks having that solid base and then kind of hitting teams on the break with the pace and the counter-attack and the 
the the young, quick players they do have. Are we going to see pretty much a repeat of that tonight, do you think? I mean, you have to, really, when you think back. Like He's, he's had 23 games in charge of Chelsea now and he's kept 17 clean sheets. And that says it all, really. That 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 was what Tuchel wanted when he came in and took over from Frank Lampard. He wanted a more solid Chelsea, and we've seen that straight away from him. And that's credit to him. He's got the player. He's got the players playing a certain way now. And like you said, he, they want to frustrate Real Madrid. And Real Madrid have got to come out tonight and 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 play at Chelsea. Come at Chelsea straight away because, like I said, they're, they're chasing an away goal. They they need to go and get a goal relatively early in the game because obviously the longer the game goes on it's going to get harder for Real Madrid Real Madrid are going to get, get leggy the longer the game goes on then Chelsea have got every opportunity then like you said with the younger legs in the team to pit them off on the counter attack so it's going to be a battle of tactics tonight from, from Tuchel and Zidane but it feels like it would be a mistake for me for Chelsea to shut up shop though yeah. completely and just just kind of try and main try and have the nil nil that would take them through. But because Real Madrid who do have players like Benzema and you never back against Benzema to score in the Champions League, that would be a very dangerous game to play. So they need to find a balance here between That's being it. cagey and frustrating and being offensive and getting that important goal. Yeah, they do. They need to find. They need to find the balance, like you said, mate. They um, they can't just like backs against the wall, you know, part of the bus sort of thing. They can't. They can't do that. They've got to. They've got to just basically see see how they go for the first half an hour. If they if they're still comfortable in the game, you know, I think they'll be happy after the first half an hour. If if Real Madrid don't score there, and um, the longer the game goes on, like I said, you know, Chelsea will grow more and more in belief that they'll um they'll they'll, they'll get the win and. Like I said, the, the younger players in the team, you know, they've got they've got the better legs on them. And but the the thing that could come into it is, like you said before, the uh, the lack of experience that this Chelsea team have. It's, it's sort of like the battle between like youth and experience tonight. So it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting battle, and I am looking forward to watching it. On the subject of um, experience, though, um, Tuchel, of course, took Paris Saint-Germain to the Champions League final last year. So he's got experience of himself of yeah, as a coach, managing yeah. a team to there. Yeah. It's interesting that he said in his pre-match press conference that the players must believe them in themselves in order to reach the final, which maybe is a hint at the inexperience that is in that Chelsea squad. Uh, Ian mentioned how it is a little bit of crystal ball gazing in terms of the starting lineup, particularly that front three for Chelsea tonight. I've been looking at a few of the predicted lineups that a few of the newspapers have picked and it is complete guesswork I'm sure and this is not based on any of my own knowledge or opinion but the general consensus seems to be it'll be a front three of Pulisic, Havertz and Mount making up that front three tonight and whoever wins that game like I say it is all square after the first leg will face City in the Champions League final who do you want Matt who's it going to be Chelsea or Real Madrid who do you fancy (sighs) It's it's a tough one, but if 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 I'm looking at it from from like a big game sort of standpoint to to beat Real Madrid in the the competition that they've won 13 times would be far better. Obviously, beating anyone would be would be good, but to beat Real Madrid in that competition in the final, it, it it'd be absolutely fantastic. That game kicks off at 8 o'clock UK time. We're going to go to the other end of the footballing ladder. We're going to be speaking to Rodri Jones, former Premier League youth prospect who was released by Manchester United at the age of 19 and whose football career was over by the age of 26. What happened next and what can we learn from his experiences? We'll talk to Rodri next on Football Social Daily.
This is Football Social Daily and delighted to have on today's podcast Rodri Jones, an ex-Manchester United youth player and nowadays a mental health advocate and a mind fitness coach. Rodri, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well yourself. Yeah, really good, thanks. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you on Football Social Daily is that you talk about a side of football that I think is very rarely touched upon nowadays. You hear about the Phil Fodens of this world all the time, the young prospects who go from being in a youth academy to the very top of their game, which undoubtedly Phil Foden is heading to. But for every Phil Foden that exists, there's a hundred Rodri Joneses. And I wanted to find out a little bit more about the journey of someone who starts as a youth player, but maybe doesn't go on the way. So I'm going to go back to the very start of your journey, if that's okay, before we talk about what you're doing nowadays and how you got there. But at 14 years old, you signed schoolboy papers for Manchester United. At that point, how does it feel? How does the future look to you when you sign those papers? Are you not really considering what it's going to be like six, seven years down the line? Is it all about just pulling on that Manchester United shirt the next day? Yeah, you, you know what it's like when you're a child. I mean, even if someone shows you the statistics of um, of how many players make it, you don't really look at that way when you're that age. And and rightly so to some degree as well, because I think as you get older, a lot of people kind of curtail their dreams. I think when you're younger, the world feels a little bit more boundless, I, I suppose. When you look back to yourself as a 14-year-old, do you identify anything different between you and maybe your peers who didn't get the opportunity to play in the professional game, other than the actual levels of skill and ability? Because one of the things I'm always slightly surprised about when I speak to professional sportsmen is they, they just seem wired a slightly different way. They seem to have that level of determination and one single-mindedness that other people don't have. It's some sort of obsession. You, you stumble across something that you've, you happen to have a gift to do, which, which I was fortunate with football. And it kind of it feels like it triggers something inside you. It felt like my, my body was, was designed purely to play football. Um, and I think that's what you have in different, it might not just be in football, it might be a musician or something. It's like it's like the performances coming through you. And I, I think a lot of high achievers and high performers will be able to identify when I say it feels like it chooses you, like you've got no choice. Obviously for you, it didn't quite happen at Manchester United. You didn't go on and become a club legend. And much of that was down to injuries that you picked up during your time there. Now, I've spoken to a few pros through the years who have had long-term issues with injuries and they've all talked about the mental strain that that causes on an, an adult who's sitting on a treatment table recovering from injury kind of separated from their teammates for a young lad for a 14 year old going through that experience that must be hugely amplified it's difficult you know you know you need all the luck in the world at a, at a club like Man U to be able to reach a top when the injuries start hitting you're starting to put the pressure on the doubts start building up and there's not many walks of life where you're going into work every day where when you've got long-term injury, where you, you're effectively not been able to do your job. I don't think it's a big revelation for me to say that the injured players usually feel a little bit on the outskirts and feel a bit worthless a little bit to some degree because you haven't got that outlet. Um, that's the times where I feel like where you can really develop the mental side of, of things I, I think you you develop tolerance um kind of psychological tolerance through the times that you're injured it, it kind of widens your scope to be able to deal with um different emotions 
Um, but then, you know, that voice in the head can get a little bit louder and um, it, it, can, it can be a skill to kind of just um, navigate that, really. Do you remember the moment when you found out that you weren't going to be at Manchester United long term, where your, your future didn't rely at the club? Do you remember that very moment you were told? Yeah, well, it's impossible to forget because it was Sir Alex Ferguson who told me. I mean, you know, this this was a guy, you know, had been at the club since 1986, since I was four years old. Um, it was the only time I'd ever been in his office as well. So so that was a bit of a blur. I, I, know, I know why he felt like he should take responsibility because he kind of welcomed us to the club when we signed. Um, but maybe the fall was a little bit greater coming from him than it would have been if it was just one of the youth team coaches where you haven't put put them on such a big pedestal as you have some someone of of that magnitude um so I, looking back you know I probably suffered an element of trauma you know like minor trauma um at the time but listen you, you, I was 19 years old I think when Ferguson released me um you're still maturing at that age as well you looking back and I I was I came from quite a middle class background probably a little bit naive at times like where you had some of the other players who are maybe a little bit more streetwise. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, you have something, you know, as backup. You know, I was very academic, but that that sense of identity when you've wrapped up so much and, and football, remember, for most, most players is a dream. It's not a vocation. It's like a, 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 a dream since you were younger. So t- to get that taken away from you, it's not a case of, oh, well, I'm going to find another job. It, it, that, that psychological um, impact can be bigger than maybe people on the outside would realise who, who've not been in that bubble. From the moment you get that news, so Alex Ferguson sits you down in his office and he says, sorry, lad, it's not going to happen here. Is that a clean break at that point? Is there any aftercare? Is there any support or is it a case of collecting your boots and leaving Carrington? No, I was told in in February, so I still had the rest of the season to go. They they told me early, so I could find a new club. So it gave me a little bit of time. So that was a great thing from the club. But then on the other side, I was still coming in training every day, knowing I didn't have a future at the club. You suddenly feel like a stranger within this training ground that you've been that's been home for you for three years. So that that was quite quite difficult. You did have support in terms of the kind of um, superficial stuff in terms of trying to help you find a new club and stuff. But yeah, maybe not on that that mental side of of things, really. You stayed in football for a little while after leaving Manchester United. So you released at 19, you carried on playing till you're 24 and then you finally gave up because of injury. But from the stories you've told before, you went on to Rochdale, a couple of other clubs. You didn't feel like you were enjoying your football at that point. The reason you carried on, was it because you didn't know anything else? Was it because like football felt like it was so much part of your identity? You had to carry on. You had no other choices. A little bit, you know, I'd had had these injuries at Man U, so I felt like, oh, you know, this this is, this feels um, heavy straight away. You know, it felt like, oh, this has been thrown at me, you know, when I was 16, 17, obviously got released and managed to sign for Rotherham. And I I knew that my knee probably wasn't going to stand up to football in the long term, but then you've sacrificed so much when you're younger. It's very difficult at that point to be able to say, oh, well, maybe football isn't for me. I know I know, my parents probably asked that question when I left my new, but I was kind of still in that kind of mindset of just trying to find a club and, and just a bit head down, if I'm being honest. You, you kind of, yeah, at one side, you, it would have been great to, to prove Fergie wrong, but 
I hadn't dealt with the emotions of leaving Man U and, and, and that upheaval of going from, you know, one of the biggest clubs in Europe to, to Rotherham, who were in the championship at the time. Great club. Um, they were really successful. Undoubtedly, mental health and mental fitness and mind fitness is something that isn't maybe properly appreciated or properly focused on in everyday life. But is it something that maybe is still overlooked in professional sport as well? Although I guess we are moving to a situation where there is more awareness of that sort of things. I think about the, the kind of the, the recent news and the recent focus on um, online abuse. And obviously there are two things in play there. There's the fact that this horrific abuse happens via social media and probably the social media giants, the Twitters and the Facebook of this world need to do more to stop that out. But also, is it about the individuals in some way and their... It's difficult to say resilience because you don't want to put the earnest on the players to kind of be able to take this abuse. But at the same time, I guess it's important that they have got the right mental fitness in order to cope with something that is going to be very difficult to completely block out. Yeah, there's two ways you look, look at it. Like the abuse, it shouldn't really happen in the first place. But then then as, as an individual, for instance, if someone's shouting at me, having a go at me, all I can really take all I can take full control of is and full responsibility is how I process it and how I react to it. I mean, what I'd say with a lot of um, the abuse is, yeah, obviously the, the social, we're just coming out of this social media blackout and that that's, um, you know, that's impactful of just maybe raising awareness with these individuals. Yeah. We, we, we can start judging these individuals, you know, and, and I don't condone racism anyway, but what, what, what's driving that, what what's driving that person to be able to 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 send these messages in the first place is i feel like like they feel like a lack in themselves they don't they can't maybe if they love themselves a little bit more they wouldn't feel the the need to spread hate and i and i do feel um the more awareness you can have of what's driving your own behavior then naturally you'll be more considerate to the people around you it's really interesting the idea that people myself included put a lot of earnest on our physical fitness and go to the gym and go running or play football or whatever it is they do, but never pay any consideration to their mental health at all. Knowing what you know now as a, I'm sure late, late thirties kind of professional working in, um, in mind fitness, how do you think you would have done or how would you have, would your life have panned out differently if 19 year old you had had 2021 you to sit them down the season they left Manchester United, the season they kind of faced this crossroads. Do you think it would have panned out differently? Do you think it would have moved forward in a different way? Listen, you never know in life. You can always go back and paint these little <laughs> rosy pictures of this alternative path you'd had, had in life. I mean, I don't regret anything in life, but what would have been handy, I think, if someone had said to me, like, you know those thoughts you have, they're not quite what they appear to be. Like, I thought just the, having these thoughts was a sign of weakness in me. Then the more you kind of look at the mind and and you realize I'm not sat there creating those thoughts in the first place so yeah I mean those thoughts come up and then and then you realize a lot of the thoughts a lot of the self-talk is is survival you know we're trying to predict the future we're we're trying to fit into the tribe and you know a lot of people go through school not having those lessons don't not understanding and then suddenly you know especially in football you're thrown in such a challenging environment and what that environment that environment doesn't cause mental health issues, it does, but it reveals it reveals aspects of yourself that 
are not free. So for me, I, it probably that that football revealed how hard I was on myself and how I used to beat myself up. And and in that environment where you know I've played a game and two three days later I'm still beating myself up. Well, I wouldn't be beating myself up if I now, if knowing what I do now, because I just let it go a little bit. It's fascinating talking to you, Rodri. If people are recognising any of themselves in what you're saying, how can they find out a little bit more about mind fitness and about what you do as well? RodriJones.co.uk. I have an initial chat with people who want to work with me just to see, one, whether they're comfortable with me and if I'm comfortable with them and just to see if they, they feel like they're in the place to really benefit from, from this work. So most people who come to me have to have a realisation that they've been tripping themselves up or something, the same patterns happening. It's usually the high achievers because they're the ones who are asking those questions. Rodri, fascinating to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time on Football Social Daily. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You can find more from Rodri and his work at rodrijones.co.uk. You can also hear more from Rodri on the forthcoming Season 2 of Football Stories, a podcast that explores some of the more interesting stories from the world of football. Season 1 is out now. It's via the Sports Social Podcast Network. You can find it. Just Google Sports Social Podcast Network and you can find it all there. But there will be more from Rodri in Season 2, which is coming very soon. That is it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. You can find the latest news on your team at sport-social.co.uk. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.